Welcome today on the Eve Swear Wolves podcast. We are bringing you something uh, mildly educational and about the horror movies. If you will, please move on to the next slide. This Werewolves Horror Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things horror. I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back for another week of exciting horror talk. Yeah. Yeah, we're back. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm okay. I'm here. Well, you're here. <laughs> I'm here. David's here. And yet we have another guest. Well, the same guest we've had the <laughs> last, two. In the last two weeks. <laughs> Drove home and came back again. Bootsy. I know. So far. Jared, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay. Yeah. This, <laughs> I, Jared and I were talking and uh, I was like, oh, you know, and I discussed with you guys, um, you know, I was like, uh, do you want to guest on our podcast? And I said to him, if you're going to guest though, you got to pick movies for us to watch. And he hemmed and hawed for a little while. And then he came up with... Uh, the two movies that we're going to discuss today. So uh, give a little insight to why you uh, chose the movies that we're going to talk about. Okay. Um, because I, I am a big fan of horror movies, going back and just studying the times that they were made in, how they were made and why, does give a lot of insight into just the movies themselves. Just Because there's stuff that came out of, the movies that we're going to talk about today that I never even considered. Okay. Uh, which adds a lot of extra layers that just looking at it through modern eyes, you don't, it just washes over you altogether. Yeah, no. And I think it's important. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad at first I was like, Oh, we're going to watch documentaries. It's kind of hard to review documentaries. I think we've all, we've all said that. Um, it's kind of hard to, like talk about them. There's no plot really, but there are themes definitely in these two that uh, are important to discuss, but it's also, I, I love watching documentaries. Yeah, I do too. Um, and, I, anything, any. I, and I think, I think it'll be easy to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's easy to talk about them. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're right. But there's like, there's no, no plot. Like there's right. no like, no, okay, right. well this is yeah. what happened. We're, and yeah, this character yeah. did we're, that. We're not really watching cinema. We're not, you know, and we're, we're not watching something that we can really rate or judge like we would like a cinematic movie that we're used to. Like when we watch documentaries, we, you know, we enjoy them, we can discuss them, but we're not looking at it like, um, you know, as like performances or acting or that. That's yeah, because you're, you're rating something that is essentially like rating something else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking um, of which, please write us a review if you're listening to our... Or podcasts where That's we true. discuss other movies. Please give us five stars. Yeah, yeah. five stars. Yeah. Um, or five heads. Yeah. Um, 
now I I like I said I love watching documentaries. Yeah, there's a bazillion of them, especially mm-hmm. when they're informative and you learn something or you yes, take something away from it. I mean, these two specifically I picked because they actually dovetail off of one another because they, they do. Yeah, they do. Where the first one ends, um, I'll I can say the titles. Yeah. Uh, an American Nightmare ends 1978 with Halloween as the last movie that they talk about. Right, and then the following is uh going, going to, to pieces. pieces and they pick up they start with halloween they do a little bit mm-hmm. of backstory on how the horror genre gets started but they start with halloween and then they go forward into the 90s mm-hmm. yes and you know it's funny because i do watch a lot of documentaries or i watch not like full length feature documentaries but like half hour hour long documentaries yeah. i i love watching history channel um a- anything yeah that has to do with like documentaries I'll watch, but horror documentaries in, in uh, particular, there's a good one out on um, Tom Savini on yeah. Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the Kane Hodder one, but it's I heard really that good. one's really to good. To Helen Back. It's to really Helen good. Um, there's one that, that David and I um, supported. It's too late now, so fuck you guys. But uh, <laughs> uh, In Search of Darkness, um, it's four and a half hours long and they go through pretty much all the big, and even some of the ones that you, I'm like, oh, I haven't heard of that movie or I never saw that movie. Mm-hmm. And they go year by year through the 1980s. Yeah, it's very nice. good. Um, and I think even right now, I've only made it to 85. <laughs> like, I haven't finished the whole documentary. I, know I David, finished it. David yeah, has. It's good. But it, it definitely takes multiple viewings. And, you know, the, the, good, the awesome thing about that particular documentary is that I can watch it over and over again mm-hmm. um, because I, I like hearing the stories and mm-hmm. I like knowing how things are, are made. Yeah. Um, and I even watched one last night on special effects, like um, for makeup mm-hmm. stuff. So it had like uh, Greg Nicotero in there and Rick Baker and Tom Savini. And they're talking about how they did all the practical effects yeah. and practical effects versus CG. Yeah. And, I speak for pretty much everybody here. Practical effects are far superior than CG. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in every way, shape and form. There is a place for CG, but um, you know, it's sometimes just, it is necessary. Like it know. is, but, but like they were talking about um, and we'll, we'll get to your movies in a second Bootsy, but they were talking about the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, one of the guys from K and B did the effects on that mm-hmm. and he won an Oscar for that. And it's like, they did practical effects for pretty much everybody, all the main characters. Mm. Like there wasn't a lot of CG. I mean, they did green screen like out the, the fawn's legs yeah. and yeah. like add those in later. But like the makeup, yeah, wise, and it's just it's just awesome to watch. Yeah, and you can find a lot of these documentaries on YouTube. I think CG is like it's best when it's very subtle and you don't notice it. Yeah, like I think you know. Um, yeah, it's so distracting when you're watching a movie and the effect you takes you tell, out of the movie. You're like, right. oh, that yeah. looks like garbage. Yeah. yeah, but practical effects is the best. Yeah, and, and when we're talking about movies from the 70s and, and 80s, as we're going to be discussing now, um, like I said, the Savini documentary was really good too because that's kind of when he hit his stride. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a lot of those movies back then. And I wouldn't say Tom Savini is one of the better special effects artists out there. But he was definitely one of the more creative. Yeah, and one of the like first like real innovators. Yeah, and he's discussed in um, American Nightmare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
Because what this documentary is about for me, this is what I took away from it. And and I mean, I think everybody did. I'm not a fucking genius <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Hey, don't sell yourself short, buddy. Um, I think you're very smart. <laughs> thanks. But uh, you're welcome. It, it really talks about what was going on, especially, I mean, in American uh, America uh, during the 60s and 70s that led to these horror films. Yeah. And it talks about like, you know, we've talked about this in music before. Us three have had this conversation and it was recently about um, the the music out of the 90s mm-hmm. were meant something because the people that were writing the music had been through shit. Mm-hmm. Like not, not like I seen the shit, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like not like Vietnam, but, <laughs> but like their parents had. Yeah. And then they had to deal with these baby boomers as parents. And it was the gen X and it was like this whole like weird culture. Like you had seen the seventies and the eighties and they were getting treated kind of like shit by their parents and ignored. Well, everybody was snorting Coke and making money on wall street. <laughs> and they were like this counterculture to that. And that was the grunge movement. And that was the music that was coming out in the, um, in the nineties. And it meant something. And whereas like the people that are that age now yeah. don't have that to go off of because their parents are the gen Xers who were like, well, we're gonna the middle children. We're gonna be good to our kids. We're gonna be <laughs> nice, and we're gonna like, you know, I'm not saying we all had yeah. shitty parents, but I'm just yeah. saying like, no. And it's and it's, it's I get where you're coming from. It's tough to generalize too, but yeah. but I get what you're saying. Um, you know, because you had you had these kids, and like, and even in the '80s, like, uh, you know, twenty something, twenty somethings in the '80s. Well, and they had experienced the same stuff that we're yeah. gonna be talking about. These filmmakers did, and that right. was like the sexual revolution of the '60s. Um, they might have been young. Yeah. Uh, during them, but they were products of that, yeah. or they had experienced the Vietnam War. Maybe not; mm-hmm. they weren't there, but yeah. they had experienced it from uh, photographs. Yeah. And yeah. when we're talking about these filmmakers, now the filmmakers that they showcase in American Nightmare, let's let's go through the filmmakers just in general. We got George Romero, mm-hmm. Wes uh, Craven, Wes Craven, John Carpenter, Two O B Hooper, John Landis, Cronenberg. Yep. Hey, who wasn't American, by the way? He's fucking he's Canadian. That's true. He's Canadian. Fucking. Can- it's not a Canadian nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it is important. But he did one most head. of his work released here through <laughs> yeah, American Studios. Yeah, that's true. Um, one head. <laughs> yeah, he sits on a throne of lies. <laughs> North American nightmare. There you go. More but then accurate. there's no Mexicans. No. <laughs> ah, oh, it's bullshit. Bullshit. One head. Where's Sancho? Um, Where's Guillermo del Toro? Yeah. Um, I love how it. This, <laughs> is, he, is he from Mexico? Yeah. Oh, I really? thought he was from Spain. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, I'll set it that out then. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep it in there, you fucking asshole. <laughs> fucking racist. Hi, this is David from the Square Wolves. While editing this episode, I did a little fact-checking, and it turns out that Brett was wrong. Guillermo del Toro was born in Mexico. I win, Brett. I win. So you can lick my butthole. Um, 
Anyway, listen, while David goes to vote for Trump, we're going to... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> no, um, but those filmmakers um, had lived through like the Vietnam stuff and you know Savini gets mentioned in there as well because he saw the shit yes, like he was I, over in Vietnam actually my favorite part of the documentary is oh, the Savini part when he talks about like and, and that's why that documentary on, on Prime yeah have and, you seen that one no but watching this made me want to watch it and not to get ahead of like my criticism of this documentary but I wanted more of that I was like yeah. that, I thought this documentary would have been more interesting had well, it focused on some of that stuff. watch the Savini documentary yeah. because he talks about like his upbringing and he actually there's a lot of trauma that happened to him like his his is that the one that's called Smoke and Mirrors? The Tom Savini, or the probably story of Tom Savini. Probably if it's on Prime, that's right, that's well. Line. I know there's another it. one that Fangoria did back in the day called uh, Scream Greats. Mm-hmm. No, they... that's not this. One. Okay, okay, that's okay. not this one. Uh, it's a more recent one. Okay, but it. I mean, he he went through a lot of shit. But one of the things that he specifically viewed was Vietnam. Yeah, and that's where he kind of saw like real yeah. limbs and real heads being blown yeah. off and everything. So I, th- I think it's okay if we skip around. Like, oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, so I really enjoyed the Savini segment. Um, yeah, that was the best part. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if it was my favorite part. Um, I love the segments with Toby Hooper, but, but uh-huh. yeah, the, this, and I think we all knew that Savini went to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think we all knew that he took photographs, um, of, of dead soldiers. I, I thought it was really fascinating how his drill sergeant, like, like he was in the bunk with, you know, his, his uh, army buddies and he was, you know, doing scars, like fake scars and mm-hmm. stuff. And the drill sergeant was like, you know, like, what do you got there? Like, you know, and he wanted to use some of it. And Savini was saying like, you know, he's like, I'm not sure what he did with it, but I guess probably to scare recruits or something. Yeah. Cause yeah. he wanted, he mm-hmm. wanted a scar on his yeah, face so, to make him seem more menacing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I was just going to say, I just thought that was interesting that, just that Savini took what was a terrible situation and made the most of it. And it's like, Hey, I'm right. going to, I'm going to yeah. at least use this. So when I come back home, I can at least take some of this awful shit that I've seen and, you know, maybe entertain people. Well, with some the PTSD of alone of seeing like severed limbs. And, yeah. and we've talked about yeah. that too. I was recently talking to my wife about seeing real shit yeah. versus seeing fake mm-hmm. shit. And it's like, I can watch, a movie, a horror movie. Yeah. And I can watch them blow someone's head off, decapitate somebody, chop their limbs off. And I think it's fantastic. I love it. But when you start talking about like real shit, we've talked about this on our podcast, like uh, real violence. Yeah. And, and, and cannibal Holocaust, cannibal Holocaust episode. We start talking about that real shit or like, when that video of the guy who was the reporter in Iraq got uh, decapitated, yeah, Yeah. beheaded live on online. And it's like people were watching that video, and I'm like, "Why? Yeah, why? No, I would no, never you. watch no. that." Yeah, um, it's you know, it's gross. Yeah, it's it's very disturbing. I mean, you know, and and people will say like, "Well, why do you like watching it in a movie?" Well, we're watching fiction. We're watching a movie. We're watching a story, and you know, it's it's an element to the story. It's part of yeah. It's part of a mm-hmm. film. It's part of something that you know, a story. Yep. And, yeah, and it's escapism. Yeah, it's escapism, you know, and especially, you know, when you I watch, watch the fake shit because I don't want to see the real shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, you, you really have to be mature about it to understand the difference between the two. And, you know, this documentary and, you know, the one we'll talk about soon touches on that where people in society, especially, you know, 
people who are you know, consider themselves normal and good social standing and you know upright citizen and everything liars yeah you know they <laughs> always <laughs> they think they know what's best and they try to force that on other people but in reality they they don't have a clue yep you know and they're judgmental and they basically label people outcast and you know people are outcast but in reality those outcasts really know what's going on yeah and and they can differentiate you know fact and fiction and what's great about this documentary is these filmmakers are very open-minded and they're very you know logical and they understand what they're doing they're basically creating art and escaping the horrors of what's going on in their country well and also during this time period yeah and and also it's escaping but also it's a way of dealing with the problems it's a way of yeah it's cathartic mm-hmm. like so, so if Vini we talk about, about that yeah in his bit where he says when he's in vietnam he's got the benefit of because he went to u.s army photo school he's looking at what he considers an effect real gore where somebody's just gotten their arm blown off and he's looking at it through a camera right and so it gives him a separation yeah. between what's actually happening yeah. and how he processes it. Yeah. I love how each filmmaker kind of correlated with historical events. Well, yes. that's what I was going to get at. So we can yeah. talk about Romero because I, I think that was probably the first movie yeah. that it was discussed with. It was with Living Dead. Yeah. yeah. And, Civil rights. And we can jump around. Yeah. But let's talk about Romero, though. What he was saying in that movie, and we've talked about Night of the Living Dead in um, our podcast before, and, and everybody who's seen that movie knows that it's about racism. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about the civil rights movement in the sixties and you're talking about, first of all, all these filmmakers are old enough that they were around to see the president of the United States get his head blown off Mm -hmm. and his brother. And then to see the guy who killed the president of the United States get shot live on TV one Sunday morning. And then to see the brother of the president of the United States who was running for president get shot. And then to see the leader of the civil rights movement get shot and, you know, another leader in civil rights um, or, or African-American rights in Malcolm X get shot. You know, all these people getting assassinated in the 60s and, and through the early 70s, yeah. mm-hmm. um, these these leaders. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was interesting the part where Romero was talking about how he was literally driving to New York to try to sell his movie when Martin Luther King was killed. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know... I don't know Romero's mindset, and I don't know if you guys maybe have heard him talk about this uh, in the past. But his the impact of his movie might not have been on the in the forefront of his mind when he was making the movie because I think originally they wanted to make something else, and then he was like, "Well, this will be easier to make, and we can make this film." You know, he was yeah. he wanted to be a filmmaker, and um, you know, casting an African American as the lead yeah. was kind of like, "Ooh, really? Yeah, that's who your hero is going to be." <laughs> I love John Landis is ta- talking about that because he's like talking about he's 17. He goes to see Night of the Living Dead at a drive-in. Yeah. And he's like, this is the black guy is the lead. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, this is the best fucking movie I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. And and this, and you know, this wasn't some like big spectacle film. This was like an underground film. This was a midnight indie. movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 This was something that this was indie film before there was indie film. Yeah. Right? This took yeah. A, a long time to become a phenomenon. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and to this day, it's still like somewhat, you know, indie and underground, you know, cause it just has that legacy. Um, but I, I love what, uh, Wes Craven said 
like during this segment. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. With, these, with these leaders getting killed, like, you know, the Kennedys and MLK, um, you know, he, he was really bothered by the mystery of what was going on in their country. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it was the first moment in American history where like something's not right. Yeah. And the, the fact that, you know, I don't know what he said word for word. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the quote, it, I, I it can't left remember him helpless because it, it like burned in yeah, my head. Do you remember what he said? It's like there was some drunken fate with blood in its eye when he's talking about everybody who grew up in those times when it's like you got Jack, you got Bobby, yeah. you got Martin Luther King all get assassinated within a period of like three or four years. Yeah. And Malcolm and uh, Malcolm X gets shot. Th- that all happened like almost back to back. And you get like Jack Ruby killing, you know, Lee mm-hmm. Harvey Oswald. It's just like, this is keeps happening over and over and over and over again. And nobody knows why. So it's like the world is just bent on killing everybody one person at a time and forcing you to watch it. Yeah. And then, and then also during this time period, we also got to remember that we had the Manson family Mm, coming out in 69. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't mention it, but yeah, they didn't mention it, but, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that was taking over the news. And it was like, the news was starting to be more prevalent. People were, starting to access it. TVs were starting to be in homes, right? Mm-hmm. Because before the 60s, having a TV in your house was like, oh, they had rich. a TV it was a luxury. in their house. Yeah. Now it was people had the TV, people were watching the TV, they were mm-hmm. getting their news from there. It wasn't like, you know, as a little kid, you weren't sitting down to read the paper, but you would sit down and watch the news with your parents mm-hmm. and you would see this kind mm-hmm. of shit happening. Yeah. And they grew up seeing this. And so their answer, and like I said, whether it was directly or indirectly, or it was subconscious and this is how they were dealing with the pain that they were seeing or experiencing. They made these films. And so, so night of the living dead was that if you look at that movie now and you're like, well, the clearly that's about racism. And then the ending obviously it's like, just shoot them, put them on fire with the rest of the bodies. Yeah. Let's move on. You know, they don't care. Right. Yeah. And something else they mentioned about night of the living dead. And I, and I didn't write this down, but I'm trying to remember you know, looking back now that we're discussing this, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, that movie was a landmark because there were no monsters in it. Like, Mm-mm. like your traditional yeah, the- horror movie monsters. Like it was, it was us versus us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of like, even thinking now contemporarily, like the walking dead, it's the bad guys are the other humans. The humans are the, the ultimate danger. The zombies are secondary. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would, that started this all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not who we're fighting now. Right. And, and Romero thought it was like, uh, he said the idea of someone dead walking around, like really creeped him out. Yeah. Well, yeah, that is creepy. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't <laughs> want to see that. Yeah. Movie, so. Cronenberg has like a great bit about this in the movie. He talks about how the whole movie is just, it's about a revolution. It's just a new society coming up and devouring the old one. Right. And mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah. 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 You're right. I mean, that's a good point too, is like that I hadn't thought of is like that also kind of uh, symbolizes like the new revolution that is taking place in America at that yeah. that, that mm-hmm. time, whether it be the sexual revolution or the hippies or you know the the boomers who were like growing up and yeah. like their their parents who had fought in World War II are 
you know, becoming the older generation mm-hmm. or the yep. greatest generation, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you have the the baby boomers who are now taking over and they're they're in charge and they're like, fuck this, you know, we're like, we're gonna we're gonna start talking about sex and we're gonna start um talking about women's rights mm-hmm. and um minorities. Yeah. Isn't um, it weird what they've become? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, and we'll we, can, we can we can kind of talk about <laughs> and, that and I, I love but that's one thing yeah go ahead yeah no that's one thing oh i was gonna say that's one thing that i was thinking in yeah. my head as i was watching american nightmare specifically i'm like you know i'm watching all this stuff that these older filmmakers and some of them have passed in fact three of them all of them except for john carpenter and david cronenberger john landis is dead john landis oh, is alive john landis is alive yeah, landis so, is alive but, but they don't really was, get into any of his films in the movie because his, no he just american werewolf he was kind of more didn't yeah, come out until late. Yeah. yeah he was more just commentating on it and, yeah. and savini's still alive and, 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 and he's, romero, he's a similar age too. yeah but romero and craven, west craven hooper. and toby hooper are are all uh deceased but um but now we're so they're all older men now and they saw some shit back in the day and they were experiencing the American uh, culture back then. But it's like, I'm almost excited is the wrong word, but I'm almost looking forward to the new stock of films that come out because there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit going on Mm -hmm. and you could see it start with yeah. like Kevin Smith's Red State, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Cause that movie, we talked about it before in this podcast, that movie is making a statement about yeah, same thing with some of that yeah. bullshit. And Jordan yeah. Peele. Jordan yeah. Peele's movie, Us yeah. and Get Out. It's making these statements. And so and so as as people start getting to be the age where they can afford to or have the opportunity to make films yeah. or express themselves. It's it's come back and and now Raging Against the Machine is back on tour. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yes. and they're going to be headlining Coachella. Did you see? that? Yes, I did see that. It's awesome. Only good band, by the way, <laughs> except for Danny Elfman. He's oh, Danny Elfman's going to be, gonna be cool. Coachella. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Just bringing up Red State. I wish they would have kept the original ending, which was where it was actually where actually like Gabriel the yeah. archangel came down and like everybody fucking dies ah. yeah. and he just. But it makes for a more realistic movie when that doesn't happen, and yes. it makes it even more scary. And we, and we talked because about you this. Know it could be real. We talked about this when we were talking about um, Green Room mm-hmm. and how the realistic nature of that movie was what was the scariest mm-hmm. part about that. Yeah. Red State well, is that almost stuff this, happens. Red State is almost the same with like this yeah. cult like family yeah. um, with your. Um, What's the name yeah. of uh, oh, religious family? Fuck, I um I can't remember the whatever last whatever those fucktards are. But <laughs> you know they're they're having this like you know almost apocalypse cult essentially. Yeah, and it's just I I'm I don't want to say I'm looking forward to it because the bullshit that we got to deal with. Yeah, is, I I would rather not have that. <laughs> yeah, know. it sucks when you're in it. Yeah. But what? What um what comes out of what it. the president has elicited in people and the dichotomy that is happening in this country, uh, and not just the president. I mean, I'll pu- I'll gladly put a lot of the blame on him. I'll put blame him for fucking everything. But it's <laughs> let me tell you something. It's but a, it's not it's a long, just him. It's a long. It's a list. long line yeah, of people, long, and it yeah. and he's and just you, pandering to what was an underserved community, mm, yeah, quote unquote. Yeah, underserved. Um, but it's it's like. You know, even going back to um, W's reign in, in the White House and, and how that like was eliciting this yeah. divide in the country. And you yeah. saw that brewing and it's like it's coming to a head now. And what yeah. kind of art is that going to mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I mean, bring us? Yeah, it's it's very disturbing to think about it. And, you know, I'm 
I'm going to be 36 next month. And I, and I, I couldn't tell you guys, like, I can't think of any other time in my life where I've just been so like wrapped in anxiety and it's not every day and it's not all the time, but you know, cause I focus on work and things like that. But there's times where I think about like, okay, where are we going? Like yeah. what's next? Well, and one thing too, and this movie kind of touches on that is in times of turmoil, it's the counterculture that is always interesting. And some it's, of the it's best, the most stable, some of the best seems. art, some of the best music has yep. always come about from the most yeah. turbulent times. Exactly. Well, and and that's, that's even what this movie is about. Like you get like some of the best, like groundbreaking horror movies yep. come out of this yeah. like 10 year period that yeah. people build off of into the future. Exactly. And that's, and that's kind of, like yeah. where I'm going with this is like, but I will say this, this too shall pass. Oh yeah. Of you course. know, the greatest advice I ever got <laughs> yeah. was when someone said this too shall pass. Yeah. And I, at first I was like, fuck you. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end yeah. of the day, we'll be all right. Yeah. It, everything to every season turn, turn. Right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's like, there is uh there is the ebbs and flows of society. Yeah. And right now we are in uh, the the trenches. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know how far much deeper it'll go. I don't know how much worse it'll get before it starts getting better. But I know it will get better and I have a, a bright um, outlook on life. Yeah. And that's just the glass being half full. Yeah. I, I know you guys know me pretty well. Um, I'm not like I'm kind of leery of where we're going. Yeah. Technologically. Um. You know, I, I see news stories about like just about facial recognition or more. Yes, the, okay. everything. Cameras everywhere. Everything has a camera. Well, you can't has go to the UK then. And voices no yeah, and I voice mean, recognition and, you know, my and, little wiretap device sitting over there. Yeah. And, and watching, which now is equipped with Samuel L. Jackson, which is amazing. Is it, and, you it's know, and amazing. on the surface, it, it's like it's like, wow, this is like really convenient, mm. you know, and I won't dispute that. There's a lot of convenience. There's a lot of. Um, you know, just everyday life seems to be much more easier. Yeah. But what's the catch? Well, it's when nefarious people get a hold and right. learn how to right. use. They yeah. use, use that for their, for right. their game. And, and I'm not going to say technology is evil. I'm not going to say that because that'd be like saying money is evil. No, money is not evil. It's the people who control it. Right. That are the right. bad people. So it's like, what's the catch? With, There's some bad hombres yeah. out there, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and just like, just like when, um, you know, in this documentary, they, you know, they talk about Vietnam and mm -hmm. Vietnam was a big turning point and yep. these assassinations and what was going on in Indochina and Kent State and all this stuff. You know, I, I think the same thing happened with 9-11. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, that was a big turning point. I think a lot of things happened, you know, as much as we know about, I think some things happened that we don't know about. And, you know, that's the scary thing. That's that's what Wes Craven was saying. You know, just the mystery of just not knowing what's happening in your country. Yeah. You know. Well, and you, and you speak of Wes Craven. And so let's talk about the movie they're talking about in this, which is Last House on the Left. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've, I've never seen Last House on the Left. Really? It's brutal. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's hard to watch. I've seen <laughs> I Spit on Your Grave, which. Yeah. They're similar. in the same vein. Yeah. And I've the seen the remake vein, of Last House on the Left, I think. Yeah. But yeah. That was, um, that was 72, 1972. It was 72. And so talk about what's going on there. So that was after the Manson stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so you got like this um this this group who is like of hooligans like two guys and a girl right yep. who are like raping and murdering uh innocents uh, just just for the thrill of it 
Um, and it's, it's really like just to see like what it's like, but like, as far as like commentary on society, they're going into, they are touching on the whole Manson thing. Yeah. yeah. And, but the way that West describes it, like in the documentary, he, he says specifically, it is the film of a young man who has far more brutality in him than he ever realized. Yeah. yeah and it was, yeah. it was him coming to terms almost and with his own dark side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And us as an audience being able to recognize our own dark side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would, I would love to think, and I'm pretty sure that nobody in here has that in them, but we do all have that thing that we try to cover up. You know, Alan was talking about these people who put masks on and let's all just be real about it. Right. Like let's, let's be real about Mm -hmm. who we are and and what we are. And let's, let's also recognize the fact that this shit happens. Yeah. And you know, he took this story and he put it on film and everybody, Oh my God, I can't believe I can't believe that. Yeah. It's only a movie. But at the same time, no, it's not. And I think one of the commentators in there, that professor, he was like, yeah, you can say it's only a movie, but this could happen. This and I'm pretty sure this has happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of the, uh, towards the end of the film, uh, Wes Craven ma- makes a commentary about like the Disney, uh, white picket fences, Americana kind of thing of yeah. like, you, you have on one hand, this portrayal of how, how wonderful the world yeah. is. But meanwhile, all sorts of awful things are happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And that horror, you know, brings some of those things uh, to the forefront. And that's even stuff that he gets to himself when he gets to Nightmare. Because that's all about just the sins yep. of the past coming back to bite you yep. in the ass. Well, and that's true. It's like, yeah, we can cover it up and we can put a face face on and we can take our little happy pills and drink our fucking martinis. And, mm-hmm. you know, Ward and June can come home and, uh, you know, have dinner waiting. But guess what? Deep down, they've seen some shit. Yeah. And they know some shit and they're yeah. just trying to cover up. And if we were all just more real and here's the thing that, you know, people like I, I talk to people who don't like horror movies. Oh, it's just disgusting. Or I just yeah. don't get it. And why would you want to watch that kind of stuff? It's like, well, because it's more real than watching fucking legally blonde. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, and not to take anything away from that. That's fine. Like you want to watch those movies. I'm not, I'm not saying they're, they're, awful movies but what's more real legally blonde or last house on the left Mm -hmm. what more speaks to society what would you rather have you know it's it's funny because people are like oh you're gonna have kids uh watch these movies and they're gonna turn into murderers no, probably well, what's not. What's the converse of that? If yeah. they watch Disney movies, they're all going to be fucking happy? Yeah. And, and no, I, they're not. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of ties They're going to be murderers. <laughs> that kind of ties into uh, Romero's segment with Dawn of the Dead. You know, just like everybody, you know, you know the, the bad stuff of the 60s and early 70s was kind of fading away. And then like the 70s was just like having a good time. And like, well, it's like we quickly everybody like was like, well, fuck it. People it's started, over. People started going to malls and like, you know, consumer, discos yeah, and, and, and everything was okay. And it was just like, well, no. you know, what, what did you the, guys forget what, what just are, happened? What are the lessons learned? You None. Know? It's like they, so, nobody learned their lesson. Yeah. They, they had gotten past the whole oil crisis thing, which yeah. was one of the things that washed over me when I first watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. When yeah. they stop at the gas, gas station, station and he says, oh, yeah, I the, got no gas. Yeah. 
initially I assumed it's because its gas station is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was not even considering the fact that this was during the no gas times, like mm-hmm. in 1974. Right. Yep. And then when we get to like 1978 with Dawn of the Dead, yeah. everybody's just like, we're forgetting about that. Yep. We're moving forward. We got roller skates and afros, <laughs> watching Soul Train. That's everything. And, and yep. you know, and, and it, it's tough because it's like, you know, we should live life to the fullest. And, you know, that's all fine and dandy. And we all should live our lives as best as we can and have mm-hmm. a good time. But it's like, like we've all said, don't, don't forget, like never forget what we just went through, you know? And, and let's prevent it from happening and, again and, and, instead and, of covering it up. And it's so easy for society to forget. It's just like. Because the know, next new thing comes well, yeah. along. And then and you just go like, and make the whole, the, so, you make the same mistakes all over again. Yeah. Well, it's just like, and it happens even more frequently and more often yeah. these days we got, because we're constantly being inundated pow, 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 with new news stories. And it's right? the same fucking politicians and the same fucking well, yeah, And the new dis- distraction is a distraction from the other distraction. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So recently we were talking about uh, X and X could be uh, the president is going through an uh, impeachment. He's been impeached. Now there's going to be the Senate trial. All this evidence is going to come up. Uh, now there's a bombing in Iran. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now we're all focused on that. Oh, oh, the president got impeached. Oh, that was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, crazy. Um, it's that so, happened two weeks ago. It's so crazy. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, Kylie Jenner gave her daughter, or yeah, Kylie Jenner gave her daughter a diamond for Christmas. That's what we're talking about. Wait, today. wait, <laughs> she did that. <laughs> oh. oh my god! <laughs> Fuck the Kardashians. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like <laughs> ridiculous. It's like yeah. now all of a sudden that's the biggest news, and it's like a celebrity will die one day. I remember when David Bowie died. It was like, oh fuck, everybody yeah. loved David Bowie, and, and then, then it's like next day something else happened. It's like who? Yeah, David. Our who? our attention spans are just. We yeah. got the attention span of a gnat these days. It's crazy, <laughs> and 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 that's only gonna make us forget about shit quicker. Yeah, and and that is that is troubling to yeah. me. Yeah, is that we can just change on a dime and right. everything's fine. Yeah, you know, tomorrow we could wake up and you know everybody's like everybody's in love again yeah. because something happened to bring us all together and it's like what the fuck man we all hated each other there was reasons for this let's talk about the reasons why we hate each other yeah. let's not just say well let's not hate yeah. no why do i hate you yeah. because you're a fucking douche and i'm a dick and let's fucking <laughs> let's hash it out let's hash it out let's you're talk a pussy about and it. i'm an ass and you're a cock yeah. <laughs> and we all should just we'll have just, a fucking all just fuck each other <laughs> yes <laughs> everybody just, fuck yeah uh, I, but, in the pile well that's a good point though because that leads to uh cronenberg yep. right yeah. because then you got the sexual revolution and you know let's just fuck i mean yeah. nobody wanted to talk about sex right you mm-hmm. know when you talk about like the warden june cleavers right they weren't telling beaver why they called him beaver yeah <laughs> that's how he got, got a pussy <laughs> well, it's like, and you think about like that time period you get like every every married couple had like separate beds they never went to bed on tv, together. On TV. On TV yeah. you're just like this until, is fucking weird until, until the yeah. brady's they were the first couple to share a bed really yeah on wow. tv scandalous yeah, fucking, fucking um, and they Mike were also and Carol. A, they were also Carol a divorced a family too, which was a different. They were what? They were a divorced family yeah. because they both had yeah. three kids. They both had previous marriages, and they came together. And, I'm like, and one of the kids was black. <laughs> In the later seasons with cousin Oliver. <laughs> no, but that would have been great. She's like, yeah, they're all from the same dad. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Mike's so all looks uh, a little different. 
<laughs> why is why is Jan black? She's not black. She's third complexion. She tans well. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the sexual revolution. So Cronenberg takes that and he wants to talk about sex and and he wants to put it on Front Street basically mm-hmm. and and eroticism and the and the horror and the body horror. Yeah. And we've seen that in in his films. And it seemed like he did it without like aligning himself to any belief. No, yeah. he just put it out there. He just, he just put said, it out there. Boom, this is what it's mm-hmm. going to be about. And and I and I love I think it was I think it was Cronenberg that said this, but he says or or somebody in this documentary says it, but they say pain is an inevitable part of the social experience. Yeah. You know? So when you're going through a transition, you know, yeah. There's there's pain's going to be a part of it because yeah. you're leaving something, you're doing something else, you know, it's but I thought that segment was just fascinating. Well, I think that's a that's that's a good point though is like that's a reason why people don't change that yeah. much. They resist mm-hmm. change. Yeah. yeah. It's because it's hard. It's not easy. Listen, it's not easy to go through a divorce. Yeah. No. Right? That's change. Right. Yeah. There's It's it's easier to be like oh, I'm going to stay with him or yeah. I'm going to stay with her because I'm comfortable. Yeah. Uh it's not easy to go, you know what? I'm an atheist now. Because it's hard. It's hard to go, well, I'm going to give up on 25 years of me going to Sunday school. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't believe. No, it's just easier just to keep yeah. believing and put the smiley face on. It's yeah. not easy to go from one belief to another. And, yeah. And, and you know, it's just, right. it, fuck, it's hard to move and, and from I, one house to another. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yes. difficult. <laughs> and I love I love the elements of Cronenberg <laughs> that, that they touch up on in this uh, segment. Yeah. Um, you know, the creatures in his films, like, you know, they're very kind of hideous and gory and very graphic. And, you know, um, you know, they kind of have like an organic look to them, but they're not of this earth sometimes. Yeah. They're just very mm-hmm. bizarre. But at the same time, they represent kind of like a liberation. Yeah. And transformation. Yeah. It's and, kind of a recurring theme. In yeah. A lot and, of his movies. and they usually result in a very liberating behavior. And I also love what he says about the old order and the new order, which is another theme of his films. Um, you have the old order and you have the new order replacing it, but both can be problematic. Yeah. Yeah. So I love, I love how he has kind of like, like you said, he just throws it out there. He's kind of just neutral and he just, he shows you everything. Yeah. And he's not afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, and and that movie he was they were showing in this in this shivers shivers, shivers. yeah um, I haven't seen this movie. I haven't seen that either I haven't seen it either well they also show clips from another movie called video rabid Drum. rabid yeah and oh, yeah, yeah and they show Videodrome yeah. a little bit yeah. which yeah. we talked about the yeah. tape yeah yeah the tape and the and the big yeah. vagina Vaginal and James Woods yeah. yeah. but but they they mainly focused on on shivers yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was the film that they were talking about yeah and and the scene where where they kiss uh. It's both painful. It's like in the swimming pool at the and yeah. a relief. Yeah. Because well, and at the end of that movie, mm-hmm. it, it they even say this in the documentary. At the end of the movie, it's like it's not a hap- it's not a sad ending. Yeah. It's a happy ending. It's this guy, yes, he's giving in to the change, but is the change bad? Like like Yeah, he's liberated. Yeah. He's liberated. Yeah. Like yeah. And it's now really, they and now they're all gonna fuck in a pool. And it's <laughs> and it's really up to the viewer too. Sounds like a blast. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. If everybody he, else is doing thing. it, yes. Yeah. Why that, resist? That's the whole thing Cronenberg's talking about. It's like the, the new order is problematic as well as the old right. order. Because the yeah. old order was restrictive. Yeah. The new order has so, no restrictions, yeah. which is gonna have its 
own different problems. Yeah, and yeah so, so it's somewhere so it's not in the necessarily middle. a good ending. No, yeah. it's not a good ending, but it's also not a bad ending. It's yeah, just it's, change. But yeah. it's like, why resist? But then it comes to the whole like fucking like one of us. But one then it's <laughs> but then it's it's conforming. And yeah. it's like, you know, just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it good. Doesn't make it good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, that same theme goes back to Dawn of the Dead with Romero. You know, like everybody's consuming, everybody's consuming. And it's just like, you know, is this what I should be doing? Or is there something else deeper? Yeah. Is there some other meaning? You know? well, well, that, yeah, it's that push and pull. Because like, yeah. yeah, sometimes it is good to follow the herd. Um, like with It's cer- safe. Yeah, it's like, oh, there seem to be a lot less racists in the world. Maybe I should stop being yeah. racist. No, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you bring up a good point. Sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it's not okay. So, you know, it's it's yeah. up to us to pick our battles. You know, well, that's and where that's be when you got to and be honest with yourself. And yeah. be honest with yourself, and 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 stay informed, and and just be honest as a person. I'm not I'm not saying like oh, as a Christian or as a Jew or as yeah. a Hindu yeah. or as a human. whatever. As a human, be honest. Be just be good. Yeah, and it, fuckers. And, it's, and with, with the whole, fucking assholes. just be nice, you sons God of bitches. Damn it! With the whole conformity <laughs> thing, also is, you know, we're just putting ourselves into a group. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, well, with a group, you have a group of something, and then you have a group of something else, and you have a group of something else. You have these subgroups, and it's like. We're so divided, we don't even realize it sometimes. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, I like this and, you know, my friends like this and we like this and we don't like that. And then that group's like, we like this and we don't like that. And it's just like... This us versus them mentality is also a a very big pain point these days. Especially online. (sighs) It's the worst online. Especially online. But 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 you know what? I used to think, and it was this for a long time from the late 90s till the 2000s, that it was very much like restricted to online but it's starting to become starting more to bleed, it's bleeding over bleeding over mm, into yeah. the quote-unquote real world yeah. where people are getting a little bit too big for their britches and they're yeah. coming out and they're being like yeah motherfucker i said that what you gonna do yeah and now yeah. it's like it's us versus them and whether it be like you know i was listening to pen gillette talk to joe rogan this interview happened a while ago but um it's recently been released on pen gillette's podcast and he was like you know i like fucking frank zappa Mm-hmm. And I hated the fucking Eagles. So I was always like, <laughs> fuck you, fuck, fuck the Eagles. Eagles. Yeah. And he's like, it was that us versus them mentality where, and it was like, I'm not going to conform to your bullshit, your, yeah. your fucking thing. He goes, but I was making my own group over here. You know, I was yeah. part of my own, I was part of this other group. This, yeah. and, and there was no teams. But right. I, he was creating the teams yeah. in his head, and he was he was responsible for that yeah. just as much as other people. And it's like, and and this is why I'll go back to saying like, you know, oh, legally blonde. Like, there's nothing wrong with that fucking yeah, no, movie. No, yeah, you, I'm you, not being. It's not horror movies versus Legally Blonde, right? Right. right like what right. you like. Yeah. I don't care. I'll yeah. watch that movie. Sure. It's okay to have preferences. Yes. yes. It's very healthy to have preferences and like what you like and do what you do. And just because somebody else thinks differently doesn't make that yeah. person doesn't wrong. Make them wrong. Or just make you right. And you no. know, and it and it all it it all goes back to just like you know just so many years of like politics and religion. Where, you know, do I think religion's a bad thing? You know what? Honestly, I think once upon a time, I think, you know, I think there's people out there 
in the beginning. I, you know, <laughs> I, I will say this. I think if it if it works for you, if it works in a healthy you, way, and you're not, yeah. I'm not going to judge anybody for harming being, another right, person. Anything. Yeah, you know, and and if you have you know your own beliefs, and if you have your political beliefs, that's fine. You know, if you can work with someone else who believes in something that different than you, that's amazing. But the problem lies is when we start hating other people who don't believe the way we do. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And it's been going on for so long. Listen. Um, and it's starting to spill over with, right. mm-hmm. with, with, with really trivial things, trivial too. things. And that's what I was going to say. Let's say I don't like cooked cabbage. Okay. I don't, let's say, let's say that I don't like cooked I cabbage. I love cabbage. All right. I don't. <laughs> Fuck you. I don't. No, <laughs> it's okay for me to go. I hate cooked cabbage, but I don't hate you yeah. because you like it. Right. And yeah. that's I don't hate the, you, you right. cabbage eating motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a fucking idiot, but no, I'm just <laughs> yeah. kidding. But that's what I'm saying. It's like. People start to say, oh, I hate the color blue. Yeah. Oh, you're wearing blue. I hate you. Yeah. No, that's not the way it is. Yeah. It's I hate the color blue. Yeah. You like the color blue. I like you. Yeah. That doesn't I, make me like the color blue. It doesn't make me like the color blue. And you know, people need to find the balance between like that, and it's hard to that do, kind of hatred and like friendly competition. Well, because the hatred is so, it's neat and it's clean and it divides where you are versus where someone else is. And I think there's also this culture now. So we talked about like people getting a little too big for their britches. It's cool to hate or it's -hmm. it's cool to have someone to hate on. There's that. But it's also like I have to prove to all the other people that I'm part of their group. Yeah. So I am going, and you see it on Twitter. Turn it up to 11. Oh, yep. I, you see it on Twitter all the time, and yeah. there's these people, and I'm not going to mention any names, but Bootsy knows one of them, um, and I'll tell you off mic, but there's this person who at every drop of the hat will find an excuse to be like, well, I'm I'm part of this group, so I got to let everybody know, mm-hmm. and Ugh. oh, I'm going to retweet this because this person's going to see it and they're going to mm-hmm. like the fact that I did this or there's this yeah. women's march. So I'm going to promote the fact that I was there at the women's march. Uh, uh, everybody look, look, this is what I did. And, mm-hmm. and at its root, at its core, you're it's, a fucking poser. Yeah. But at yeah. its core, it's very sad. It is sad. It's and like, it's sick. It's like, you know what? Like you don't need to look for attention. It starts with yourself. Like, you know, if you believe in yourself and if you believe you're a good person and you're proud of who you are and what you do, like it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Like what try, anybody else thinks. It, yeah. It shouldn't matter what anybody else thinks because you know what, if you're a good person and if you do things the right way and we're not perfect, I'm not perfect. Nobody is perfect. But if you I'm know, as close to it as you, can. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, just Pe- people will see it. You know, you don't yeah, have to, you don't have to build yourself up. You don't have to build yourself yeah. up. You don't have to like advertise yourself. Like, look at me, look what I do. And that's, and that's the age we're in right we're, now. We desperately seek the approval of other people. Now I'm going to bring this back to the movie real quick. Yeah. Because there's a filmmaker that they talk about. I think they talk about in this one who is the epitome of that to me. And that's John Carpenter. Yeah. And John Carpenter yeah. has never been a self-promotion type of guy, except right. for the fact that he always put John Carpenter's the thing, <laughs> John Carpenter's the whatever. But he makes what he wants Halloween. to make. But he does what he wants to do. Right. And he's not out there like doing these conventions, much to my dismay. Yeah. He <laughs> but does he's, some, but yeah, he's not, not often. Few and far between. But you know what I'm saying? Like he is a very, 
you know, to, to bring that back from what you're saying, the self-promotion and this everything, like he's not, yeah, yeah. he's not a conformist, right? Like he's anti-Hollywood almost. And a right. lot of these filmmakers were or are, right? you know, um, you know, Wes Craven kind of, yeah, but what makes Car- what makes Carpenter a badass is that he doesn't care whether or not you think he's a badass. Like, yeah, he's yeah. Just, he's just he's like oh, he's just him. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm John fucking Carpenter. <laughs> Carpenter Fuck has like one of the best quotes in this whole uh, documentary, which is, "I am responsible for the end of the sexual revolution, and for that, I am very sorry." Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. and that's what they touch in lastly on this yeah. is, is Halloween and and how it's oh, and like sin and oh you have, you have sex, sex you die well you die you drink. You, you smoke die. weed, you die. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that was what was going on in the, in the society at this time. Um, and, you know, I, I think, uh, obviously, I mean, I, I'm going to refrain from rating this. I mean, I'll rate it a five. I, I'm just going to rate it a five because it's a documentary yeah. and I enjoyed the documentary and I can't find any flaw in it. Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to say? Oh, there was this person who said something stupid. No, I, I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> uh, so I'll rate it a five. But I think the, the biggest takeaway I get from this Mm-hmm. is like the conversation that we were all just having and how it led from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And this is a documentary about horror movies, but it's more than that. It's more, yeah, it's yeah. more it's than that. It's not a documentary yeah. about horror movies. It's a documentary about culture and how culture affects art and yeah. how art can be created. And horror movies are art. Yeah. Yes. And if people fucking took the time you know, not every movie is fucking poultry geist. Yeah. That's a horror movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Damn. I, oh, I know, the, I know the, the horror film you know, in general was, you know, uh, a major part of this documentary. I, I saw it more of a like American documentary, American history, but, but with a, you know, uh, the element of horror movies. Yeah. They use it like as landmarks, right? Yeah. They use it as landmarks. Yep. Um, I, I thought the whole thing was great. Um, I love documentaries like this. It was very interesting the way they, um, you know, use the horror movie and they, uh, intertwined it with American events um, or world events, really. Um, I, I thought they could have done more with the Halloween segment um, because I, I think the next one we'll talk about yeah. touched mm-hmm. up more on that. But, you know, you had assassinations and you had wars and you had, you know, events going on. Um, but they didn't, nothing was really, um, nothing really correlated with 1978's Halloween. Um, but that lady did say, you know, the people going to see the movies, like those are the sons of America, you know, but they didn't really tie it to, like, yeah. to, a, to, a, you know, an event. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think the, the Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween is more prevalent or yeah. more relevant to the next mm-hmm. documentary it's, than it is yeah. to this one. And you know, the tale because the end. it, it kind of caps off the decade. Yeah. And it they caps say, off the decade. And they even say like they're going into the eighties yeah. and even though like they'd gone through all this shit, everything is back the yeah. way it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I think nobody fucking remembered as great as this documentary is. Uh, I think they missed the mark and I think this is what they should have done when they got to Carpenter's segment. Mm hmm. Halloween is like one of the first films that I like looking at a timeline of movies from like horror movies, like from the seventies and earlier. Yeah. Halloween, I think was probably the first one that brought horror to like suburbia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brought it home because all these other seventies films that we just talked about, they take place other places. Like they take place in a rural country or they take, or like country, like, farmland or um in yeah, the woods 
But they, or you know, in the city somewhere, or, you know, and not as many people saw these films either. So right. when you say it brings it home, that's kind of a two part thing because it makes it more real because it makes right. it more to the suburban, but right. it also became more acceptable, mm-hmm. being made it more mainstream. Right, and this so, film was more popular. And so by the late seventies, you know, suburban house life was expanding mm-hmm. throughout the country. And they, I think, I, I think they missed, like, you know, I'm not going to fault it too much, but I think they missed the mark. They really could have touched up on that because Halloween took place in a suburban neighborhood. And I don't think there was anything really like that, at least yep. that popular mm-hmm. yeah. at yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they really could have touched up on that. Um, otherwise, um, I thought this was a great documentary. I give it a four. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. David. Uh, I enjoyed this as well. I liked the first half more than the second half. I, I liked the the bits, like even the opening uh, credits, like intersperses movie footage with actual news events yeah. mm-hmm. and kind of juxtaposing the horror of both, which I thought was interesting. It did go a little long, um, but I'll forgive that. It was <laughs> it was still good. Um, yeah, Alan, I agree. I think it fell a little short in some places. It felt a little rushed to me in the second half. I thought they breezed through some of the filmmakers a little bit. Yeah. Um, but overall I enjoyed it. Documentaries are hard to rate because yeah. I didn't feel yeah. like, I'll be honest, I didn't really feel like I learned anything. Like I felt like I saw a lot of things that I already knew. Like, eh, I knew this movie was kind of about this. I knew this well, you're also a horror that. fan. So, so yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would rec, I would definitely recommend this to people who maybe don't watch horror movies. Cause I think it would help you gain an appreciation or see that there's more, more to it than just what's on the surface level. Um, I think for horror fans, I don't know if you'll get a whole lot out of it. I mean, there's just so many documentaries. I think you get more insight from these directors. It's yeah. great to have all these directors and filmmakers yeah. in, in one, one place. In one place. But if I were to say I recommend it or I don't recommend it, I would recommend seeing it. So yeah. I give it a three. Yeah. And and I think I think the way, I don't know about you guys, but the way I I'm rating it is I enjoyed like four fifths of it, maybe. See, and and for it's me, it's hard to rate. For it. me, if it's a documentary, I'm going to give it a five. Yeah. I. I, any any documentary, I'm gonna give a five. What are there documentaries you don't like though? No, really. Okay, there's hmm. subject matter that I'm maybe less interested in. Okay, but if pretty, you learn something, it's pretty much any documentary I think is good. Gotcha. There's there's some that I find more entertaining than yeah. others. Yeah, yeah. But but all in all, like to me, it's not like somebody sat down. I mean, I know they script out certain things of it, but not. Yeah. But this is all people's like opinions and this mm-hmm. is people's perspectives right. and it's people's and, and for that, yeah. I'm going to give it a five yeah, every time because people's yeah. opinions and, and it goes back to what we were talking about is like, I have to respect that. Yeah. Knowledge mm-hmm. is value. Yeah. Um, and, and for any documentary that I ever see, I'll give yeah. it a five. Now I will say like, are there some, like if you're like, Oh Brett, did you really, did you like hoop dreams? Yes. I loved hoop dreams. Did you like American movie? Yes. I loved American movie. Those are documentaries that I can be like, those are at the top of my list. Yeah. Right. There's some that I'm like, man, it was all right. It was all right. But, but still, I'm still going to give it a five. You still because, got something out of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bootsy, you brought this to the table. Um, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, just to get the rating out of the way, I'll do four and a half. All or, right. That's enough from Bootsy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when there did was, you first see this? I I actually picked this up randomly. Like I was. I went to Bookman's, which is a used bookstore, yeah. and they had it in their in their horror section. And I was like, "Huh, I'll give it." it you know, it was like it's five bucks. I'll pick it up. Sometimes it seems cool. Random finds are the best finds. And it was, you know, it's it's a brisk watch. It's like an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, and you said it was long, David. 
Hmm? It was an hour and ten minutes long. Oh, I didn't say it was long. It was... I said, oh no, 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 the opening like montage. Oh, that oh yeah, was where long. they're cutting oh, back and forth. Like, no, 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 just like the the titles and oh, okay, yeah, the news footage and <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And I mean, it, and I get what they were doing there is just like it's setting up everything, like mirroring the horror movie stuff with real life. Um, but yeah, this brought a lot of stuff to me that I hadn't really thought of before. Um, and movies that I hadn't heard of, like the, like shivers and, you know, like rabbit, I haven't even heard of, but I hadn't actually watched. And this kind of kicked me in the ass to go back and watch some of that stuff with a different point of view. So I really just enjoyed the fuck out of it. And it's like, it's a little bit slow, like in the last like third, it seems like they, they weren't quite sure how to transition out into, you know, Halloween and end it. But aside from that, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and this would be great to show like film students, like a film yes. class or, or even a history class. I was going to say the same mm-hmm. thing. Like a, like a history class could get a lot out of this, but also like people that are trying to be creative and it's like, take what you see. Yeah. Use that as your inspiration. Mm-hmm. Don't look to like, Okay, a long time ago, they got from far, far away. away. You know, (laughs) I mean, those are okay. That's okay, right? Yeah. But what's around you? What what, do you see? Yeah. And what are you trying to say? Pick up a newspaper. Yeah. Read about some fucking, you know, Malaysian kid who can't fall asleep because he's afraid he's going to die. And then he fucking Mm -hmm. dies. And then you create Nightmare on Elm Street. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, Which, does he talk about that in this documentary? Is no, it the he next talks one? about it in going to pieces, in going to pieces. Um, but that's Wes Craven, you know, yeah. uh, that's the stuff that really happened. Um, so before we talk about the next movie though, it's time to take a break. Insert intermission music here. Then we're back. Hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> All right. And we're back. So the the next movie, it, less um, serious, I guess I'll say, yeah. because there was a lot of serious topics that we discussed uh, that American Nightmare brought out um, of us, which, which is great that a film can do that. But uh, still one of my favorite topics is the topic of slasher films. Mm-hmm. And um, Bootsy... You like slasher films. Of course. Yeah. Would you say, like, is that a genre, like, of horror? Because there's all these subgenres. Like, is that one of your favorite subgenres? Uh, it's one of those that I worked my way through first when, like, I was breaking into horror because it was the most easily accessible. You yeah. could always find a slasher right. movie yep. on right. somewhere. Yeah. Whether, right. it, whether it was on TV or at the video store or, you know... But whatever it's always that like it's that simple thing there's one killer they there's a group of people they're all going to get picked off one or two at a time yeah. usually there's a girl who and there's a survives. final girl <laughs> um yep. yeah there's definitely there's definitely um there's exceptions to that but you know by and large that's what you're looking at it's a subgenre that um we recognize today as Probably being oversaturated. Yeah. Like at the time in the eighties, it was yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, you know, looking back, yes, you know, and, and even to this day, well, and this documentary makes that point. Like yeah. it goes in through a space. lot of movies. It goes like, through a lot. And a lot of them we have seen, and there's some that I haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I mean, honestly, this documentary 
it kind of gave away probably like <laughs> the best parts. Oh yeah. no, it it definitely so, it's like if you haven't seen these movies, this, well, you fucking This you, movie's <laughs> a highlight reel, really. Yeah. yeah, and it's a spoiler. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like spoiler alert for yeah. everything we're going to talk Rose about. This Rose is a dick. <laughs> yep. And you know what? Like I'm like I'm okay that I'm okay with the spoilers because Melissa Rose does not have a dick, by the way. Not in real life. <laughs> Hearing her talk about that though is awesome. It yeah. was awesome. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, it, it had a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. And I think it did pretty well with like kind of going from movie to movie in, you know, year after year. Um but uh I didn't realize April Fool's Day was like the end of it? Well, and yeah. it was so and like it was a flop. like mm-hmm. yeah and and you know what i didn't i don't remember what i rated that movie you liked it we all liked, I liked it. it yeah, yeah. i you know I, yeah. I know i didn't yeah it was no. one of my favorites we all liked it it was really good and you know it's crazy i wonder do you think okay if if we if the three of us were living in i'm not even sure what age we would be but if, you know or the four of us if mm-hmm. if we were in what when did that come out 84 83 uh, uh, April 86 yeah 86 okay. or 87 so if we're if if we're going to the movies and we watch April Fools Day at that time do you think we would have liked it or hated it because looking at it now knowing what we know about slasher films yeah. so i saw April Fools Day probably in like 89 did you like it then i loved it you loved it yeah um 88 or 89 is when i saw it but i was young yeah and I was a young horror fan, and I was a young slasher fan. Slasher is my my favorite subgenre yeah. of horror films. But no secret, like everybody knows. Yeah. Like I'm wearing yeah. my wearing my Jason uh, socks today. Nice. I got for Christmas. I got my Michael Myers T-shirt on today. <laughs> yep. Oh, and I got my um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre T-shirt oh, on. Man. <laughs> I'm all decked out. Ooh. Okay, so you got the shirt, you got the socks, you got the, you're wearing a yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirt. This this documentary touches up on that too. Commodification of yes. serial killers. Yes. Yes, it does. But um, what was the question? Oh, April <laughs> Fool's Day. Oh, yeah. and I loved April Fool's Day, and I didn't think of it as like being like people were disappointed. Yeah, like they hated it because nobody died. Yeah, see, because I you think get that's the rug why we liked from it. you at the end. That's why we liked it. I think that's why yeah, it was liked different. It. it was different. I think that's why I liked it. Also because it was like kind of cool because being yeah. into special effects. Yeah. I think in another life I would have liked to have been a special effects artist because yeah. I'm so into like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like it kind of almost shows you like how not how they did it, but it's like, oh, that was an effect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's fucking rad. Can you imagine like pretending you're dead and everybody thinks you're dead and then you're like, ah, April Fools. Uh, well, yeah, because you had like the severed head in the well in that yeah. movie. Yeah. So it's like showing like, yes, this is stuff that you can do yeah. on your you own. You too can do you it at home. You can yeah. prank all your friends and thinking that oh, they've <laughs> that all been dead. slaughtered. And you know what? Like, <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Like thinking about it now, I can kind of picture, you know, as much as we like that movie, I can picture why people would be upset because you're having... In the early to mid '80s, you're having you know movie after movie come out, you know, and whether it's like a big budget, you know, Paramount release like Friday the Thirteenth, yeah. or if it's like a smaller studio, and you know everybody's going to see how people are going to get killed. Yeah, and you know, so everybody's going to these movies, and then you have April Fool's Day and nobody dies, mm-hmm. and they're just like, and you really don't see any of the 
quote unquote deaths either. Yeah. You yeah. see the result. Yeah. Well, that's why even when we reviewed that movie, that was as I was watching it, that was like my biggest criticism. It was like, oh, all the cutaways. Cutting away. Yeah. And then at the end, it's like, oh, and I love that. Why. Ended up being one of my yeah. favorite things. Like the movie reveals that it didn't cheat. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, but let's start at the beginning because it's a very good place to start. So John Carpenter is where mm-hmm. we ended American Nightmare, and it's where we begin this one, because yeah. John Carpenter is the granddaddy. Well, they do a, a quick recap Psycho. of, like, yeah, they and even, like, and Carpenter even a history says, lesson. Yeah, quick history lesson on how, you know, horror got to it. And, I mean... Uh, he talks like, about Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper and, like, and the, the Grand Guignol, which actually Fulci does really, really well. Yeah. That's what he seems to be aiming more for. And then we get to Psycho, which is like your first straight up like slasher movie because there's one killer. He kills this girl. It lures in her sister. The detective, Martin Balsam's character, gets killed in the hotel. And then you find out at the end, the mother's been dead the whole damn time. And it's just Norman Bates is a crazy person, which at the time was an excellent twist. And now we expect that shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then moving off of psycho, you get into like your standard slasher stuff. Like that's why you get Halloween. And it's just this person yeah. who starts off the movie fucking crazy. You have no explanation. <laughs> he just kills his sister yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And it, it did a better job talking about Halloween than the, uh, the first film. Did. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I loved how they talked about how they had no money. They had Donald Pleasance for what? Three, three weeks? Days. Three days. Three days. Three days. Three days. And, and, but they got Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and I like the decision to shoot the movie like in widescreen Panavision. And I know like when we talked, I think it was when we reviewed Halloween 3. Or no, it was The Fog. Because Halloween three wasn't directed by Carpenter, but we talked about how like this is films always look bigger than they are. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, works well for this one because it makes Michael Myers this sort of you see him, but it's like Night of the Living Dead, where it's like you that first zombie you see off in the far distance, away, yeah, right. and you don't register it as a threat, and then all of a sudden he's got a knife and yep. he's stabbing you. Yeah, Da-na-na. yeah. Halloween is a classic. I, I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from that, but. Don't you guys think? I mean, Chainsaw came out before Halloween. Right. Mm-hmm. Chainsaw came out three, four right. years before. Yeah, sure. Is that a slasher? Um, I put it in the same category as a slasher, but is it I, just because it wasn't mainstream? I think because like it had the same problem that Halloween did at the start because it was released regionally and it had to like sort of tour around. But Chainsaw didn't have the same word of mouth that Halloween mm. got because they didn't have that yeah. big and Chainsaw's article. like a family. Like there's more yeah. than one. Crazy I guess it goes person. back to what Alan was saying: is, is it brings it home it, well, too, right? Well, that's one. Element. It's like I'm not going to drive through West Texas, right? Yeah. Well, that that's one <laughs> element. But what I think for I don't think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is your typical slasher because I think what classifies a slasher is, you know, you have a killer. There's a, sometimes there's a mystery element to it, but as, as these years went on, there was no mystery who the killer was. Although there were some Friday the 13th sequels where there there was a mystery element, but for the most part, there was this maniacal character killing off teenagers so I think the teenager was also something that correlated more often than not with slasher films. And you also had a final girl. So as the years went on, um, the same elements started reappearing. And I associate that with a slasher film. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre came... It's the same mold, though. It's the same mold, but it didn't... 
it, you know, you have a family like Dave mentioned, it's a rural setting. You're not really, you know, does the weapon play a part? I mean, you know, maybe, I mean, there's no guns. Like I think they touch up on that. But I mean, it's, it takes gasoline. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came before the slasher boom. Yeah. In America, so and there was so many copycats of Halloween, so maybe yeah. that's right. why it's considered the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, and also yeah. it's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not a holiday because as we learned in this movie, it's oh, like a lot of these slashers happen. On these holidays. producers didn't have scripts and they just went. Arbor what's Day. It, what's right. the next one in the? Yeah, yeah, Arbor Day was one of the few that didn't try. Yeah, yeah. or Memorial Day, yeah. or fucking Labor Day. Memorial Day actually sounds yeah. like it should be a horror movie. Yeah. Just the name, yeah. Memorial Day. Just Memorial in the Labor title. Labor Day. You're about gonna these, labor like, this day. Like, and, and it wasn't always like holidays. It was like graduation. Yeah. Day. Graduation. graduation day. Happy birthday. Or Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. Me. You know, or April first day. day of camp or whatever. And and, and, and it wasn't just like suburbia. It was always like summer camps well yeah. and that or, happened i think or like, schools at the start I so, think that's what so i think what happened was is halloween came out and uh sean cunningham who had worked with wes craven on last house on the left saw that and he's like we can do that we can mm-hmm. make some money mm-hmm. and we're gonna come up with a title and that's what he says in this we came up with the title of friday the 13th and we put it out there to see if anybody would sue us nobody sued us and in fact people wanted to invest in it yeah and i love script that part was really interesting how they sold the movie before, before they, they even had, had a script, script. Yeah. it's a great story <laughs> and and there's a there's a it's just the logo there's on a, a really piece of long paper. there's a really yeah. long um friday the 13th documentary um camp crystal it's crystal, crystal Lake Lake memories. memories yeah, yeah. and uh, actually alan you gave that to me for christmas last year mm-hmm. um but it's a huge ass documentary which it goes through every fucking mm-hmm. movie right and they talk about that in in that documentary, so it's it's a really good one. But um, he he says the same basic story in this. What's cool about it though is he was like, instead of bringing the killer to where the kids are, we're going to bring the kids to where the killer is, yeah. right? So there was that juxtaposition, mm-hmm. right? So where the kids are now going to this camp, and they're going to kill them. Kids meaning teenagers, yeah, um, or or young uh, adults. Um, but what Friday Thirteenth did then it was like, oh, wait, then the burning came, right? Yeah. Yep. And then the fucking summer camp S- nightmare sleepaway, and sleepaway, sleepaway camp. camp and- but almost, like the, the thing is with the burning, it's almost like a proto uh, Friday the 13th because going forward into the sequels, once you actually have Jason, it fits what the burning does way, way more as opposed to what like Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, and yeah. even the first Friday the 13th yeah. When did, did the burning come out? 82, I think. Yeah. So that was when part two, Friday the 13th, two came out, I think in 82. Um, and the burning's great. Like, yeah, know, we reviewed the burning. We, we all liked it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We liked it, but yeah. it was like. I, I haven't seen it since we reviewed it, but when when they show that scene where he's just chopping them up on the boat. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so that raft scene is awesome. awesome. That goes back to the Savini factor, yeah. right? So Savini mm-hmm. did the effects on Friday the 13th, one. And, and on the four, burning. And he did it on the burning. Yeah. And uh, so. It was like he was able to do these like great. It was like we're gonna kill these kids. Savini, you come up with how? Yeah, right. So it's like insert death here. Here, <laughs> yeah. you know. Jay says, "I'll be right back." Then and dies. It, then what? Yeah, you, <laughs> you fuck with you the rules and you end up dead. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that was great. You know. Also, we were talking about the murder weapon. So Michael Myers, um, Michael Myers in the first movie doesn't have like a. a you know, we always associate the butcher the knife. knife, right? He 
he only kills like one person with a butcher knife. The guy that he sticks to the door. Yeah. 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 And and his sister at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. His sister. Okay. Sorry. But he strangles strangles PJ PJ souls Mm -hmm. and he uh, puts, he, he, he suffocates um, fucking Annie. He's got the knife back when he goes to kill Jamie Lee Curtis Mm -hmm. though. He does have, she gets cut like stabbing at her through the closet. That is true. That is true. But then he gets the knitting needle in the neck. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like he doesn't have a uh, uh, one murder weapon. Like he can murder people different ways, and, yeah. and the same with Jason or or, J- yeah. or Jason's mom, which was great to see um, the actress. Oh, Jenna oh, Betsy Palmer. Betsy it was Palmer. great, great to see uh, Betsy Palmer. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, in this documentary, talking about you know her mm-hmm. her point of view and her backstory of Pamela. That was Voorhees. awesome. Yeah, that I was, love that, that was when she uh, details like what you know like. Oh, she got pregnant young. She got kicked out of the house. She went to the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she had a whole backstory. Everything's just built out, and she didn't know about Jason. Jason being uh, what hydrocephalic she until <laughs> yeah. she saw she have done set right. And she's yeah, like, what's, that? Yeah. what's that? It's like, oh, that's your son, Jason. It's like, why what's does wrong he look that him? way? And then he's Tom a- Savini said he's a mongoloid, <laughs> which I don't know if that's politically correct to say know. these days, but I guess in 1979 it was okay. <laughs> um. But, uh, so it was great to see that, but, but, uh, Pamela Voorhees, uh, didn't have one single weapon either. Like mm-hmm. she used a hunting knife mm-hmm. and then she used a spear through the neck and she fucking bow and arrow, bow and arrowed somebody she stabs, uh, Kevin Bacon through the neck with an arrow. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty creative. Yeah. She was creative. Those are great effects too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. I mean the Kevin Bacon one, there's a, there's a cool story about that too, where the, where the blood wasn't pumping right. Like. The pump didn't work, so Savini had to put his mouth on there, and he had to blow. Like through a straw or something? Yeah, and then he blew, and it just goes, <laughs> and it like comes out in a big clump, and that was the only like take they took of that. Because so. they had one torso yeah. to use. Yeah. Yeah, so that was great. It worked. Um, okay, so we got Halloween. We got Friday the 13th. I mean, Friday the 13th, my favorite franchise of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halloween close second. Yeah. Um, and you got prom night. And then prom you got night. prom night. Jamie Lee Curtis quickly becomes the scream queen. Yeah, because then you got mm-hmm. terror, terror train, train which yep. I've never seen that one. It's I not good. Either. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, but prom night also not good. No, it is. <laughs> prom night is not good. No, yeah, it so very by, much like, has that t- made for TV movie feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but everybody was getting involved in these horror movies. They're like, we can do this, and we can do it cheap, and yeah, we can make a shit yeah. ton of money. Just mm-hmm. printing money. Yeah, and that's what they were doing. So. Um, Favorite slasher films of the 80s? Do you guys have... I, I mean, obviously, you guys know mine. <laughs> you just said it. Right. I mean, I could I could rank them, but... Um, but, like, the Halloween movies... Halloween, I mean, Friday the 13th, the Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street, do you consider... I guess I consider it a slasher. slasher. Yeah. I mean, I'll, that's it's kind a, of... It's number, a slasher. That's number one for me, because that kind of is what really, like, got me in, because growing up, Freddy. like, Freddy was, like... I mean, he was the 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 boogeyman yeah. for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I had to, like, get past that. So, and then once I did, I was like, oh, well, these movies are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if and you want to get real technical about it, like it's a supernatural slasher, but yeah. I mean, it's a supernatural okay. element to it. But. Do you guys got favorite ones? <sighs> you know what i I don't really have a favorite slasher because you know I get something out of all of them, but it's getting to the point where you know, and this movie, this this documentary touches up on it. It's like people started chugging these movies out, and it's just like same old, same old, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, over time. 
you know, I, I don't dislike them. You know, I love these movies, but I don't really have a favorite because they all just kind of blend, blend together. together for me. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. they do. And that's you why know. it's the standout, the standout characters. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. are the murderers yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, who they touch on in this documentary is like the audience starts rooting for, for the, the killers. killers. Yeah. Yeah. When they get a good kill, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we got, we got, we got a good personality and we got a good kill. Yeah. yeah. I want to see that person do that yeah. again. You but see better. Jason Voorhees dragging yeah. that sleeping bag. Yeah. Yeah. Smack <laughs> it against the tree. You're like, <laughs> do it. Yeah. Well, and, and even that, like that's like Kane Hodder, like straight up, like he's bringing some personality. Everybody else, they're all stuntmen. Even though Kane Hodder was, they all just did it one time. Yeah. Don't get me started on who the best Jason is because it's not Kane Hodder. Hodder, okay. <laughs> Are you going to say that it's the most recent guy? No, Jason Mears. No, um, Derek Mears. Derek Mears. Sorry. Uh, no, but he's a really nice guy. I met him. Nice. Um, Good to hear. We'll, we'll have an off, we'll have an off <laughs> okay. mic discussion on who the best one is. Um, but uh, so, but yes, you're right. Like you got these personalities and that's what Robert England brings to yes. yeah. uh, Freddie. That's why nobody else can play that character. And that's why when they try to do the remake, it was bad. Yeah. But even the ones you don't see their face, um, such as your Jason's mm-hmm. or your Michael Myers, but the, but the image is lasting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it good. And that's why, you know, a lot of the slashers are forgettable mm-hmm. because it's just insert person here. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't come until the 90s when there's a little bit of a resurgence with Scream mm-hmm. yeah. that the slasher kind of makes a little bit of a comeback with, like, I know what you did last summer and Urban Legend. And, and what, it, yeah, what helped with that was they brought back the mystery element too. They brought that back to, um, a better story. Yeah. Oh yeah. And way better characters. I mean, all the characters in scream, none of them are really one dimensional. Yeah. Like all of them right. are nuanced. No, you like the characters you like, like Stu and you like, uh, Jamie Kennedy's character, Matthew Lowe's character, yeah. Stu, and you like, uh, Jamie Kennedy's character. And even Billy, even Billy Loomis mm-hmm. is somewhat kind of, you kind of understand likable like, yeah, when you, before you're him. under, before you know that he's the killer. Yeah. You're like, I kind of understand like he's in the wrong place, wrong time. He happens to have a cell phone. And, and there's all these and there's all these nods to the horror movies. Right. Yes. The, the good ones. They're you know. very aware of these movies that happened beforehand. It came out at the right time to where the slasher, the the genre was just getting really stale and oh, comedic yeah. and people were, yeah, were breathing new life. It was almost dead. It was dead. And you know, and they even touch up on you know, when Silence of the Lambs came out, it was very taboo to call it horror, and they called mm-hmm. it, oh, a psychological, psychological thriller. thriller. And it was like, what? No, that's a horror yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. But nobody wanted to touch anything that was related to if horror. If Psycho is a horror yeah. movie, then Silence of the Lambs is a horror I, movie. And I love Greg Nicotero's bit about this, where he's like, it's yeah. a movie about a guy who skins women, and he makes a suit out right. of their skin. That's, it's a yeah, fucking it's a horror, horror movie. movie. <laughs> so a, a lot of these, a lot of the horror movies that were coming out, like you know, in the late 80s and early to mid 90s, a lot of them had comedic tones to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the Tales from the Crypt films and, you you know, you had movies that were kind of silly and, you know, nothing was really serious. Well, like your, all your franchise stuff had a certain amount of yeah. humor to it. Like you know, all your Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. Friday the 13th, even though Not it wasn't coming from I mean, Jason. It, it, came, it came to a point. And I think what that point is. They all had silly catchphrases. Yes. <laughs> I think what that, like, what that point is Texas is when too? it becomes... But when it becomes commercialized, yes. and it did, and it did in the mid '80s, it became very commercialized. Oh yeah, and yes, you had dolls and, I, and action figures I and think video games. That's when 
That's when you start getting your catchphrases. Catch That's when you start yeah. getting your. It's something that we can print on a cereal box, yep. you know, type. Yeah. Start type marketing it. Uh, shit. After and you get past "Welcome to Primetime, Bitch." Yeah. Well, and Nightmare Three. I, I say yeah. cereal box, kind of jokingly, yeah. but it's like <laughs> they, they it stop, works as a tagline. And they stop being scary, really. Freddy stops being scary when he starts being funny, and the Crypt Keeper isn't scary. You know, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's, he's funny. funny, and he's got those bookends to mm. the show that just makes you like, oh, that's that's funny. Like yeah. these horror icons, um, even even Jason. When you look at like Friday Thirteenth Part Eight, yeah, and Jason takes Manhattan, <laughs> and those those like punks on the street who are like, hey man, what you doing? Yeah, and then he pulls up his mask, and they're all like, hey, like that. It, that it became, shows that he has a sense of humor. He's self aware, yeah. and it became something that like kind of got regulated to like cable television. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I remember yeah. watching the Friday the 13th sequels on USA network. Yes, exactly. You know, like that's where we got into that, um, part of the cable where you had your basic cable, your premium cable, and they started showing all your slasher yeah. movies on USA, TNT, yeah. all those like basic channels that everybody's going to get. Yeah. Yep. And they had to tone it down. So they cut out the graphic violence, but then, like, say, Jason takes Manhattan, they're still going to show the bit where the guy's like, all right, oh, give the, me your best the shot, boxing. motherfucker. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he punches his head off. But also what makes it more comedic, too, is, like, you got your Joe Bob Briggs, yeah. and you got your Gilbert Gottfried's on USA Up All Night, or Ronda, Ronda Shear, yeah. or whomever it is, and they're making fun. Right with you right about these movies yeah and your elvira's who mm-hmm. are doing that too and so yeah. they're not just hosts like oh welcome to the scary movie yeah. they're making jokes about it and right. so then it's like okay this is funny right. and this is fun yeah. it's less scary yeah and now we can make stickers of jason's mask <laughs> and we can make mm. shirts and socks and yeah, you know, Halloween costumes. People are going to get tattoos and like Halloween mm. costumes. And, and yeah. nine-year-olds, I dressed up as Freddy Krueger when I was 10 years old yeah. for on, Halloween. Put on your Charles Manson jammies. Yep, yeah. exactly. And as years, <laughs> I would never do that. And as years go by and people, and people discover these movies or they connect with each other online, and then, you know, we learn about conventions and people yep. go to the conventions and there's merchandise That's what it's all about. everywhere and it's all about money now. And, you know, at, at one point, it was it was at its core, it was really about the experience. I'm not saying people don't get experience now, but it used to be something where, um, you know, and I don't want to say it used to be special and it's not special now, but, you know, there was a time where there was no merchandise and there was no, like, mm-hmm. meetups. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you had a club at school or something like that, or there was an ad in the paper, like, I want to meet up or whatever, but it wasn't a phenomenon like it is now. Yep. Yeah. You know, so, and looking back, you know, we have access to all these movies and we have like on demand and like streaming, you know, and everybody can watch everything now. What I'll say about the slasher film boom of the eighties and, um, and it's subsequent fall. Yes. And then it's resurgence and then it's fall again. And I don't know where it's at right now. I think it's acceptable to, you know, people like horror movies. I mean, fuck, there's one released at least every month. Seems like it. In yeah. the theater. Yeah. I mean, right now you got, uh, what's in the theater, right? The Grudge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The um, new one. There's another one coming out with, it's like a haunted house one with the kid from It and Stranger Things. Yeah. Is you mean it. Ghostbusters? Um, I think. <sighs> not that one. <laughs> I think where Same we're. Same kid, though, but yeah. it's about a haunted house. Yeah. I think um, where we're at now is, where we're at now compared to then is each filmmaker is trying to do their own thing. 
So like the lighthouse yeah. to a degree. Well, I, you know, like you got the lighthouse and you got, you know, beyond the black rainbow mm-hmm. and you got, um, you know, us, us. us. Yeah. So each one I think stands on their own and compared like the way it is now, the way it used to be, you, you had like slasher after slasher after slasher after yeah. slasher yeah. after there slasher. There aren't nearly as many now, but I do feel like we're on an upswing. Like I think we're recently, on an upswing like you had Netflix, like right. the babysitter and yes. the happy, yeah. uh, death day, I, happy I think, death day and the sequel. Yeah. Well, what else, what I was going to say was, I think what that, did what the slasher boom in the 80s did and starting with halloween so we can thank john carpenter for this as well is it made horror movies more mainstream yeah more acceptable yeah. oh definitely and and yes we have different subgenres, right we of got course. your paranormal activity and we got your blair witch that were hugely successful films and then we got your um you know your your japan horror films like with uh, the grudge and uh the, the ring, ring. Mm-hmm. yeah you got all these countries and you got all these different types of horror films um, uh, with Saw, your, your torture porn. Torture porn. porn. And, and some are funny. Some are funny. Some are good. And they're, they, but, and they're not necessarily slasher films, but they all stem from the success and the, and the money mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. a horror film can make. And I, yeah. I told you guys this a long time ago when my son said he wanted to be a filmmaker. I was like, be a horror filmmaker yeah. because you're going to make the most money uh-huh. doing <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> because but here's the thing. you'll always get hired. But here's the thing. You don't need a major studio like Paramount or Warner Brothers or anything no. like that. Well, yeah, you can make a horror movie you can, on the cheap and, and, and turn a profit. And that's what a lot of people are doing now. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think it's great. But they're doing it online now. They're doing it online. For, yeah. For cheap. Like there's one that I'm following called uh, Hot. Like if you go on YouTube or Twitter, it's Hi, I'm Mary Mary. And it's about this girl who's trapped in a house. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know how she got there. Yeah. And she gets tormented by these three different spirits. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. Is it an online series? Yeah. Oh, okay. They've been on hiatus for a while, but she said there's going to be at least one or two more episodes before she caps it off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Hi, I'm Mary Mary. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I think this this slasher films, like, uh, although it might be my favorite genre, I think we, we owe a lot to it mm-hmm. uh, as far as, like, horror movies that we have today. Oh, yeah. Because they were successful. Yeah, um, yeah the slasher is like the lifeblood, really, of the horror yeah, genre. Yeah, whenever, yeah. like, a, a studio is doing poorly... You can tell because they'll they'll pull they'll grab a script from that they bought on the cheap and throw uh-huh. it out that they made in four weeks. Yep, and it'll make a shit ton of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially in January. Oh God, when yes. no movies are coming out. That's why. <laughs> that's why and I'm ha- hesitant to see October. like the Grudge. <laughs> uh, I feel bad for John Cho being in that movie. <laughs> but that's our thoughts on. Oh, we didn't rate this documentary. Like, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I'm going to give it a five, like I already five. said. Okay. Bootsy? Um, let's see. Going to pieces, um, I like it. It's easily watchable, but it's very it's much more popcorn than um, the previous American one we talked Nightmare. about. Yeah. So um, I think three and a half. Um, I give it a three. Um, I, you know, it had a lot of information, you know, and the highlights were cool, you know, and seeing segments that, like, you know, highlights of movies that I've never seen before. Like I didn't have an issue with it, you know. It's like I'm probably not going to see that movie, but that was cool. That was a cool scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had a lot of information. I th- I thought they sourced out to um, a lot of very um, knowledgeable people. 
Um, the only thing I didn't like was like some of the segments were really rushed. Like yeah. they, they, they were going to start talking about Italian like horror. And then they just like, all they, it was, was like, they mentioned Mario Bava and Argento and, and that was and, it. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was basically like, Oh, Mario Bava did Bay of blood and they show like a scene and then it has like Felissa Rose. Like I really love Argento. And that was it. And yeah. it was just like, come on. It's, you know, and it's funny. I made a note and I was like, Alan's not going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, but it wasn't just that. No, segment. I, I agree with you. Like, yeah. It wasn't yeah. just that segment though. Like there were other segments where they were just kind of rushed. It was like, come on. Like they could have done so much more. Um, but you know, what's interesting is like slashers of the eighties. That was a thing in Europe in the seventies, but they didn't call them slashers. Yeah. But that, you know, they, they took a mystery film, but they added blood and they added a killer, you know, but they, they didn't, they didn't mention that. I think, I think that's where the slashers came from though, is like um, a mixture between what was happening, like with Hitchcock's psycho Mm -hmm. and then taking in the Italian cinemas and then going and boom. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they, don't they even say that in the documentary? If they don't, they should have. <laughs> yeah, like they, they, they don't. About, they touch yeah. on it a little bit, yeah. but like stuff like Fulci's like New York Ripper. New York Ripper is much more giallo, where because it's got a detective story and there is a killer yeah. who's and they're killing graphically, but yeah, it's still it's predominantly a horror movie, and there's also a detective. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but there's some great films of the '60s and the '70s that like they they talk about Psycho, which uh, by all means they should. And then they just skip right over to Halloween. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> you guys missed yeah. a lot. What happens like in that twenty they, years? They yeah. touch on Peeping Tom, like as before Psycho, Black Christmas, Black yeah, Christmas, yeah. So I mean, Would you rate it. There's well, real quick, you but there's 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 a lot okay. of. Oh, did I give it a three? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, I already rated it. But, <laughs> Sorry, but no, there's a lot of segments where they just like rush through it, and then by the end. It wasn't really about slashers anymore. It's just about horror. Yeah, yeah. that's and true. And then it was like whatever footage they can find, like, oh, let's let's get the back of this person's shirt and let's <laughs> film it. And then we'll get yeah, an well, image they of did, this. And it's they just did like, start talking about stuff that I'm like, well, that's not slasher. Yeah, yeah. so it, it kind of like trailed off. But so did we. Like, we started talking about eh. yeah, <laughs> slasher as well. So it does all lead. Got off the rails. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. What do you give it? Uh, I give it a two and a half. Um, I did. I didn't like it as much as the as the previous one. Same. I didn't yeah. like it as much. Two and a half still says, to me it means see it, and I gave the previous one a three, so it's I liked it slightly less. Um, I thought there were good montages and clips. Uh, some of the interviews. Um, I liked the talk towards the end about conventions. Um, I yeah. really liked a part with Rob Zombie talking about signing autographs that I thought was really cool. Well, that I did too because it reminded me of when you met him. Yeah, and, and he, he was, was like, and he was super incredibly cool. Yeah. cool. And, <laughs> and he signed like, his autograph. And he basically said, like, yeah, if you don't sign autographs for your fans, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. and I just and thought, you were never a fan to be. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I thought, yeah, and meeting him in real life, he exemplified that. I thought and, that was, and I, that was I loved cool. his bit just in the movie where he's talking about House of a Thousand Corpses. and how he bought his own. He bought it back from yeah. Universal after the first showing for cheap. Like, yeah, and now he see owns you on all Monday. the rights to it. Yeah, it made a shit ton of money. Is that a slasher? I mean, if Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre is... Mm, I mean, it's in the same... It's the same yeah. genre. House of a Thousand Corpses, I would say, is a slasher, whereas, say, like, Devil's Reject, I'd say it's more like and they talk about 70s Devil's exploitation. Yeah. 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 So I think they kind of went off the rails a little bit where yeah. they were just started talking about... like. Well, and I thought... And some of my, my criticism of the movie, I thought it was... Um, it was all very surface level. Like mm-hmm. they didn't really go deep on anything. Yeah. Uh, it was just more of a, a hit list of just, you yeah, know, it was just very, rushed. lots of just clips of highlights and stuff like that. Um, it was shot in a weird aspect ratio. Like it was like full screen, <laughs> but it came out in what? 
like I, in the last decade. Yeah, yeah. And it was for stars, it looked, right? It just I looked, mean, it looked it had a weird look to it. Yeah, um, it's a star's own documentary, isn't it? There yeah. was there was a narrator that was occasionally there. Yeah, and then yeah at the beginning and then at the end. Yeah, and I thought that was weird. And then there's. Yeah. super repetitive between each segment there's like a guitar riff or like a little oh, that little title card that plays mm-hmm. over and mm-hmm. over and over again so for that i had to score it down but yeah uh, it was but kinda, overall i still recommend checking it, it out it was kind of sloppy do you know what's a better documentary is in search of darkness yes um <laughs> but you can't buy it anymore oh yeah we talked about this already <laughs> <laughs> But if you can get a copy of it in get, search of darkness talks about all those films plus more yeah mm-hmm um, you you think like we were sponsored by In Search of Darkness, but, <laughs> but law, no. they're 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 fucking. Uh, they can still give sponsorship money. You yeah. don't know. Well, <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. Um, if you have uh, any favorite documentaries that you want to recommend, or you have any uh, thoughts on what we've uh, talked about for the past eighteen hours in this episode, <laughs> uh, go ahead and drop us a line. David, tell them. Uh, you can find us on several social media sites. So Facebook, uh, Twitter, we're the swear wolves on both of those. We're the swear wolves on the slasher app. If you're on Instagram, we're the swear wolves podcast. We have a YouTube channel where we're the swear wolves. Uh, you can go to our website, the and drop us a comment there, or you can email us at swearwolvespodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our special guest over the past few episodes, but this is going to cap it off. Thank you, Bootsy. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad I could bring these documentaries to you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Bootsy, I love your perspective. You were fucking awesome. Well, Well, thank you. Why don't you guys start a fucking podcast? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fuck it. (laughs) Uh, For the Swear Wolves this week, I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. Bootsy. And uh, I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where you cut. That's where you cut it. He was a dancer (laughs) With yellow feathers in his hair And a dress cut down to there there. (laughs) He'd dance merengue (laughs) And do the cha-cha Give a little insight to (laughs) Classy (laughs) Give a little insight to that belch (laughs) It was a classy belch There were several in a row Ducks (laughs) Ducks That's what I was waiting for Very good